What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to VCast, where church and culture come together. As always, if you haven't already liked or subscribed to this podcast, please do so. Give us a like, follow us, and uh, everything you do helps us to continue to reach people with the Word of God. So we love you guys. I hope you enjoy this podcast today. God bless you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to VCast. I'm your host, Jacob, and I'm here with John. Say what's up, John. Hey, what's up, guys? All right. So this month in the month of October, we're still in our the, the same series as we were before. And this month, we're going to be going over four new topics. To start off, we're going to go with I am gifted. That's going to be today's episode. Um, next week will be I am new. Third week will be I am forgiven and the last week will be I am adopted. So we've got a lot of good topics to cover this month and we wanted to start it off good. So we're starting off with I am gifted, going over the spiritual, spiritually empowered gifts that we see in the Bible. And we're still in Ephesians. So we're going to be going from Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 16 in this podcast, this episode. So um without further ado let's just get right into it all right so the spirit empowered gifts all of us that are in christ are given specific and different gifts right so we're not all given the exact same gift a lot of us have different gifts and specific very specific to us and our gifts need cultivating and maturity through discipleship which is why discipleship is so important because once you give your life to Christ, he gives you gifts, but you don't really know how to use them yet. Or at least you don't know how to do them the right way. So with that being said, my question to you, John, is because I've been given the gift of teaching, like let's say like I've been given the gift of teaching, I get saved and I know that, hey, I'm supposed to teach, right? So if I've been given the gift of teaching, does that mean I should jump into teaching right away? I would say no. And by that, I mean like, there are many people who like when they first get saved they're like very gifted where they're able to do things very easily but i would say even then you still need time to cultivate and to mature your your gift that you, as you said earlier but i would say that like many great teachers i would even talk about like the life of paul and when he first got saved he he did even, like paul is one, one of those people in the bible where you're like yo he's one of the top dogs he's one of those people that he wrote like a majority of the new testament bible and yet he still took the time out of his life like three years he spent like studying and and learning from the lord himself about the word and he he spent time learning and making sure that his heart was right making sure that he knew what he was talking about so i would say in the same way just having the gift of teaching does not mean that you don't need to build your teaching it means that you you have the gift of teaching but you need to be able to grow in that so you'll be able to grow with others as well exactly um everybody's given a different gift and although some of us may be great teachers we still need years of studying like every teacher whether they be a christian teacher or even a teacher at school they didn't just wake up one day and decide hey i'm just going to start teaching this class they themselves needed years of teaching and having the gift to teach does not mean that you don't need to build your teaching you might be a great speaker but you need to make sure that everything that you're teaching and all the rules and all the disciplines and all the, what we call like in preaching, there are these things called hermeneutics, homiletics, stuff yeah. like that. Like you should know that stuff because it's going to become 
very, very useful for you in your teaching. And not only have we been given different gifts and specific gifts, but when it comes to the specific gifts, all of us have been given different portions of that gift. Some are meant to lead dozens while others are meant to lead thousands. Yeah. Right. You have people like Jesus himself who only had 12 people. And then you have people like Billy Graham, not saying Billy Graham's better than Jesus. I hope people don't take it that way. But you have somebody like Billy Graham who's speaking in stadiums to literally thousands of people. He's a he's a legendary preacher and someone that um, I recognize as like a great preacher. Like he's just awesome the way that he teaches. And he didn't just wake up like that one day. He obviously needed to build that up. So but it. Let's say you're not a Billy Graham. Let's say that you've you're, you're you've got a smaller group of people. Jesus didn't have that big of a group, so don't look down on yourself because you don't have a Billy Graham type stadium. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not leading a thousand people. You've been given a specific gift, and you've been given a certain portion, and all of it in reality to God is the same. You're doing the yeah. same work, just at different levels and with different amounts of people. I would also say too that. I, when you look at it through the perspective of Jesus only having 12 disciples, it's like, yeah, but those 12 disciples changed the whole entire world. Exactly. So in the same way, it's like, even though you might be like, oh, I've been giving a small group, I've given a small church or something like that. It's like, you don't know who in that group will change the world. So in the same way, it's not to neglect your portion of, of gifting, but it's like, even if it's to 12 or to thousands, it's like, you don't know what kind of impact you'll be able to leave by just being obedient in your calling. Exactly. Um, And a good example of this in scripture is the parable of the 10 talents in Matthew 25, where there are three servants given a certain number of talents. Matthew 25, 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Each servant was given the exact same thing, yet each was given a different quantity according to his ability to manage that thing. So God, obviously, when he gives out gifts, if a certain number of people get the same gift, they might not be given the same amount that all the other people are getting. Yeah. Right? All the servants got talents, but each servant got a different number yeah. according to what he was able to manage. So a question that I have for you is that does one who is entrusted with more have a better gifting than the one entrusted with less? I would say no, because also in that story, or I believe it's another story in the Bible, where the master left and he came back, he was more upset with the servant that he just didn't, he just didn't flourish with the one dollar that he had. He's like, oh, you could have just put this in the bank and then give me two dollars. He was less mad that he didn't like. He wasn't like, oh man, you don't have two hundred dollars, but these other guys have two hundred dollars. Like obviously they have more money. He was more upset that he doesn't. He just didn't grow in his calling. So in the same way. God doesn't see the portion that you have, but he just rather sees your heart behind it and if you're willing to 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 step into it. So whenever he saw those those two men with the with the thing, it doesn't matter how much how much you're doing or how how less you're doing. It's just it's about how what what are you doing with what God has given you? Exactly. Um all that really to just say that it, don't worry if someone with a gift just like yours has more or is doing more than you. God has entrusted you with what he's given you. And he gave it to you because he can trust you with it, um, which is extremely important in understanding. And it because w- whenever we start to look at other people's giftings, it starts to build pride in us. 
Yeah. Right? Like, wow, look at, I'm a teacher. He's a teacher, but he's got more people than me. Why can't I be like that? Yeah. And you're not so much as insulting that other person or yourself, but you're insulting God because God's like, I, I gave you what you needed, but you're not happy with it. Um, to whom much is, what is it? To whom much is. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. So if anything, not having as much can sort of be a blessing in a way because it's actually less stressful for you. Yeah. Um, much is required of people like Billy Graham. Yeah. Right. But I mean, like, think about how much of is required of him. Yeah. Think about how good of a speaker he needs to be. Like, he needs to show out every time. And not saying that you don't have to show out or you don't have to do a great job every time, but th- there's a responsibility that comes with the more that you're given. And God is simply giving you what you can handle and what he knows that you're going to be good with. In reality, I would say personally, just look at it as a blessing if you haven't been given as much as the other person, because I promise you that other person who has more is just pulling their hair out with how much they have to manage and how much they have to go over. Yeah. I would also say, too, with the whole entire like, oh, too much, too much has been given, much is required. Also, too, when you're on this kind of platform, all eyes are on you that like and it's not saying, oh, when you're when you have a little platform, you can go away with some more. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that whenever you do have that type of platform, you have to rock, you have to be very careful with the with the manner you present yourself and, and everything, the the character that you display among many people, so that whenever people look at you, they truly just look at the reflection of Jesus. And you have to be on guard for that. Even with like, I don't, like it doesn't matter with thousands of people or with twelve people, you should always you should always manage and always look at the manner and the character that you're walking with and make sure that it is in line with who Christ is. Exactly. So now that we've kind of discussed and went over for a little bit right there about um, everybody having different giftings and specific giftings, we want to go over those specific giftings. Um, And there are a bunch. There are a lot. Even what we're going to cover now isn't all of them. Yeah. Um, There were just so many that I just pick the ones that I feel like are really good to know. Um, So we're going to start off with this one. But before we get into that, I actually wanted to ask a question. Is there a way to immediately find what my gifting is? I would say no. Well, like also it's kind of different for a lot of people, but most of the time I would say no. By that I mean there's giftings that pop up right there and then. And then there's giftings that take time and take the discipline and take... I don't know, just finding it out. Because I would say at least personally, like at least with me, that I've been giving certain gifts. But when I first got saved, I did not know how to read the Bible. I did not know how to pray. I did not know how to how to even look in Scripture. And over time, I was able to see the gifting that God has placed over my life. In that same way, it took time. And it, just like uh, just like a baby just being born, it's like, oh, you can't see the you can't see the potential that the baby has until they've grown up. So in the same way, when we're baby Christians, you can't really tell because we all we all look the same. But slowly, when we get to grow up, we get to see how different we are, how different we look, how different we act, and in the same way, how different our callings and giftings are from each other. Yeah, as weird as it may sound, it's trial and error, really. Yeah. Um, if you fail in one place, don't be discouraged and stop. Um, instead, try and find another place that works. Yeah. Maybe you're really good with teaching but maybe teaching in front of a class isn't good for you yet right so maybe you're not good at maybe you're a good teacher and you can come up with good teachings but you're bad when it comes to being in public so then what can you do well you can make curriculum 
right? Yeah. Write the stuff that the other teachers teach. And in that way, you're still using your gifting in the way that you know best how to do it. So let's go over some of the giftings now, right? So the first one we're going to go over is wisdom and knowledge, right? Are wisdom and knowledge only gifts for some people or should all Christians strive to increase their wisdom and knowledge? I would say, I would say all Christians should strive to have to be knowledgeable, but there have been some Christians who have been blessed with abundance of wisdom and knowledge that like, I would say those who are specifically called to teaching in classes and like theology school or stuff like that, or like pers- people who are doing classes at the, at the church, people who are teaching people about the Bible, I would say those in particular, they have been guests with abundance of wisdom. But I would say every Christian should strive to have an amount of wisdom to be able to understand the word because i would say that when we leave when we leave church and we're out in the world and people ask us about the word it's like we should have that wisdom to be able to understand this so that whenever they ask us those questions we're able to understand them and and answer their questions that into the best of our ability and to the help of the holy spirit that is with us exactly so wisdom and knowledge aren't only gifts for some people although some exceed in them and that's how you know that they're gifting yeah we're all supposed to have some kind of wisdom and knowledge but there are some people who are just so wise and so knowledgeable that it's literally a gifting for them yeah wisdom is the ability to um to apply biblical truth in a practical way that helps others make good life choices those with the gift of knowledge love to study and can remember a lot of material they study yeah so people also seek to get a better understanding of the bible from these kinds of people right like i'll go to somebody that's really wise i'll go to somebody who has a lot of knowledge and although that doesn't mean that I myself am not wise or that I my, I myself don't have knowledge, again, it's a gift because some people are able to exceed in those things. Yeah. Um, so where would somebody with the gifts of wisdom and and or knowledge find themselves serving in the church? Yeah, I would say like with, with it's like I would say instrumentally in discipleship and just building up. Like I always say it like this. It's like people who have given the gift of wisdom and knowledge and, and leadership, I would put them in like their their primary role is building the church. And then people always say that, oh, their 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 giftings are missionary or evangelical. It's to bring people to the church. So in that way, ev- evangelists bring people to the church. And then the job of the people who are gifted with wisdom, knowledge and leading it's their job to build those people in the church and build them in the word and discipleship and then just growing together in Christ. Exactly. Wisdom and knowledge, just like any other gift, must be worked on. Um, You've been given the gift of knowledge. You have a great memory, but it doesn't mean that you just automatically know all the Bible. You need to read it still, right? Like somebody who has the gift of wisdom and knowledge doesn't stop reading the Bible simply because they have a lot of wisdom and knowledge. They keep doing it. They keep cultivating it. So the next gift that we want to go into, which might sound weird, is the gift of faith. Faith being a gift doesn't mean that only those with this gift are to have faith. We're all supposed to have faith. So to say that gift that to say that faith is a gift is a bit weird because you're like, well, aren't we all supposed to have faith? Yeah, all Christians are to have faith. However, there are some whose faith greatly exceeds those around them. Right. Faith is the ability to envision what needs to be done and trust God to accomplish it. Some people are just better at doing that than others. Right. Like. When the church or when, when there's a problem going on in the church or there's a problem going on within your personal life, 
sometimes I, I'll say this myself. I don't, I'm not sure if I have the gift of faith simply because when bad things happen, my faith goes down. Yeah. Like I, my, my faith tends to take a big hit when bad stuff happens, but people who have the gift of faith, whenever they get hit, their faith gets strong. Yeah. Right. So why, why, why is that such a necessity in the church? Why is it important to have people whose faith just keeps getting better no matter what happens? Why is it important to have people like that in the church? I would say because like in those certain situations where like a family member is in the hospital or like someone's going through a financial situation or someone just lost their job or someone like or someone close to them did something or stuff like that. It's those people become instrumental because I would say those people when implicated into like being prayer warriors began began to be able to like intercede for the church intercede for those people and miracles start to happen and it's not because oh they're strong it's like oh no god has given them the gift of faith that whenever the church is hurting they're able to stand in the gap and that's something i love about the gifting of faith is that whenever i see people who have the gifting of faith and they're and they're praying and they're interceding for those people they don't just go oh god if you would do this they believe that god will do it they don't just say oh god if you would they say god you will and we believe it and we are interceding that you will do this because we believe that you are a good god exactly and th these people they might find themselves like uh somebody with the gift of faith you might find them a worship leader yeah right somebody who can who leads the church in times of worship when things get hard. Those are the people that you want there. People, that, that that's what you want, your worship and spiritual leader, to have that gift of faith because who are you supposed to go to when your faith is taking a hit? Yeah. Right? So the next one that we're going to go into is the gift of tongues. Um, and this, we wanted to cover this because it's really important, tongues, especially us being Pentecostals. Yeah. But we also know that tongues is a pretty controversial gift in the church today. But we as Pentecostals, obviously, it's important to us. In fact, the gift and the ability of tongues is what our denomination comes from. It's the day of Pentecost when tongues first came. Yeah. So tongues is very important to us as Pentecostals, which is why we really needed to go over it. And we kind of want to talk about the gift of tongues, but also kind of take down some stereotypes that we see. So... One of those stereotypes that I'm going to ask you, John, is as Pentecostals, do we believe that one must speak in tongues to be saved? Speaking in tongues is great, but I don't believe there's necessity in being saved because mm -hmm. tongues is the evidence that one is saved, but it's not it is not the only evidence one must show. Because I would say like this, like, oh, if, you, if someone were to get saved, then like, God forbid, but die the next day, no one's going to go, oh, but they weren't baptized, so it doesn't count. It's like baptism is the evidence of you showing that you have been transformed and have new life. Henceforth, the reason why you're going under the water and being brought back up a new person. So in the same way, tongues is just an outward expression of an inner change. So the inner change already has happened. Like even if the outward change, even the outward expression doesn't happen, the inward change has already happened. And I would also say this too, that there are some people who like even though this is kind of kind of sad but like it's not that sad where there's been some people who haven't been given the gift of tongues where they haven't they haven't they haven't uh that's not how they express themselves there's some people who cry uncontrollably there's some people who fall in the spirit there's some people who prophesy so i would say that tongues isn't the like just like you said earlier tongues isn't the only gift of of, of expressing that you have been saved but there's other gifts that show that you have you have proclaimed that you were saved and, and it has been showed through the outward expression. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's just it, it's an evidence, but it's not the only evidence. And there are three ways in scripture the gift of tongues is used, right? One is a private prayer language, right? Paul refers to it as a private prayer language. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul writes, I pray in a tongue. I stress the importance, and, and this is me, I, Jacob, I, I stress the importance of this prayer language being private simply because this sort of prayer language does not benefit the church but the individual yeah and paul also talks about that he stretches um he goes over the difference between prophecy and tongues and how he prefers prophecy simply because prophecy edifies the church while this private prayer language of tongues edifies only you yeah right so yeah i stress the importance of this language being private simply because it doesn't edify anybody else around you the other use of tongues is the ability to preach the gospel in a foreign language obviously that was the day of pentecost that was yeah. in the book of acts chapter 2 when the apostles had spoken in many foreign languages to the foreigners that they were that were there and the third falls the, the third way that tongues is is seen in scriptures falls within the use of the first one which is what i said it was the private prayer language so the third use also falls in line with that. It's this private prayer language is best kept private unless someone with the ability to translate is among the congregation. Yeah. Right. If this private prayer language is spoken in the church with no one to translate, then no one in the church is edified except for the person who is speaking. Yeah. So, again, this might be very controversial for some people, but um, we just kind of wanted to go off what the scripture said about it. And I think that's the most important thing when discussing stuff like this, going based off what scripture says. Yeah. So we're obviously not saying that tongues isn't important. In fact, the next question I was going to ask you is why is it important? I would say it is important. The reason, the way it is important is that it's a, I would say it's, it's like having conversation with God in the most intimate way possible. And by that, it's like, it's like whenever someone speaks to you in Spanish, but you don't understand Spanish, so they just put it to Google Translate. But if someone were to speak your language, it would become more more meaningful. So in the same way, it's like you're speaking the language of God, and you're speaking with Him with no with no subtitles, with no with no translation. It's just you and God speaking. And I would I would I would I would have agreed with what you said earlier about how like it's it's a very intimate one on one thing where it's like not really the the congregation can can hear can understand what you're saying but i would say that it it aligns whoever's whoever's having the the conversation with god so it can benefit the church that oh that person who was struggling in their faith and then they they believed and they spoke in tongues it's now way stronger in their faith way stronger in their giftings and is super passionate about the gospel now it's like even though it didn't it didn't uh what is called benefit the church literally it benefited the, the church by making a stronger believer and making it a believer who's now more passionate about the gospel and more passionate about the calling that has been placed over their lives. Exactly. And, and I th that's a good way to put it. Um, that's a good way to kind of, you know, stress the importance of tongues, because a lot of people might say, well, if it's supposed to be kept private, then, you know, why is it a good thing? And it's because although it doesn't necessarily benefit those around you, it benefits the church because now there's a strong believer in the church. Yeah. So if there is no one to interpret and only if, if there's no one to interpret, it should be kept um, in secret as a personal conversation between you and God. Yeah. If there's someone to interpret, however, 
it benefits the entire church because now everyone's able to be edified by what you're saying. So there, again, there's two. There's the private prayer language and then there's the foreign language. So where would somebody with the gift of tongues find themselves serving? They might see themselves as a missionary going to yeah. foreign countries, having the ability to speak in these foreign languages that they don't know to spread the gospel. That's what tongues is, right? Yeah. That's what this foreign language tongues is. It's speaking the gospel in a different language. That's what we see in Acts. Yeah. So that's the gift of tongues. In the next one, the last one is pastoring and counseling. Um, this is a good one that it, it, it this one's quick but it's really good which is why i needed to put it in there um because in one sense pastoring is a function of office reserved for those who meet the biblical criteria of elder yeah so you nobody's just a pastor like you can't just be a pastor right there, there's biblical criteria for it which is why it's a gifting because some people are able to really meet that criteria um and then in the other sense, there is a pastoral gift also commonly known as shepherding or counseling, which is why I put these two together, pastoring and counseling, because as a pastor, you shepherd and you counsel. Yeah. But not everybody who shepherds and counsels is a pastor. Yeah. Right. So it's important to understand the difference between those two. There is a pastoral gifting in shepherding and counseling, but not everybody who counsels is a pastor. Yeah. Um, but those with the pastoral gift have a deep love for people. Yeah. that compels them to protect to guide to counsel and disciple others which is why it's such a gifting because not everybody would want to disciple people because yeah. it's stressful i'm a disciple you and me are both disciples of jeremy right now yeah i'm sure we stress him out so obviously it's not something that somebody would just want to do yeah they have to have a desire for it's, a, it's a life commitment thing it is and you're not just committed to the role you're committed to the people yeah right like it being a pastor is about the people not about you yeah Right. So where should someone who feels that pastoral gift like where, where should they start? I would say before you start pastoring, you need to first learn how to be pastored. And by that way, I mean, find someone that, that, you know, loves the gospel. Find someone that you trust, that you trust in and love to disciple you, to teach you about the word, to teach you about your your calling to become this pastor, become this shepherd, this counselor. And in that way that whenever whenever you are cultivating that gift, they're able to show you the, the do's and don'ts. They're able to show you what manner you should be walking in, what character you should be you should be uh showing. And that way when when you their goal is that when they it's like it's like we're it's like we're babies and we can't feed ourselves. But in, in that way that they they mentor you and feed you that when they're finished with you, you shouldn't you should not not only be feeding yourself, but now you should be feeding others. Thenceforth, the the cycle of oh, I mentored him, and now he's gonna mentor others in the same way. Exactly. So, in everything that we've talked about today, what we really want to stress, and we're gonna end it off here. What we really want to stress is the importance that when it comes to gifting. We're all given a gift, all of yeah. us. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're in the pews or you're on the stage, we've all been given a gift. We've all been given a specific one and a different one, right? Not all of us have the same gift. Some of us may have it, but even then, when we find similarities in gifting, there are different portions of that gifting, gifting given to everyone. And never feel discouraged because your gifting isn't on par with another person i think that's the most important thing i want to talk about yeah it's that don't feel discouraged if you, someone's 
better at teaching than you are. If you're called to be a teacher, then you'll teach. And God will make sure that happens because he gave you that gift. Yeah. So if someone's doing better than you, don't be like, well, maybe I'm not a teacher. No, you just need to keep cultivating, keep trying. Again, it's trial and error. You're going to fail sometimes when you're teaching, when you're on this road of being a pastor. I'm sure Jeremy's not here right now, but I'm sure Jeremy has had his failures before. And he's dealt with loss and he's dealt with not maybe reaching or getting to that standard that he feels he should be at. But at the end of the day, he's still Pastor Jeremy. He didn't stop. You know, yeah. he kept going. Same with Pastor Allen. Same with all the teachers that we have here at Viva Church. I guarantee they've all hit a um, hit a, a roadblock, but they kept going. And that's what we want to encourage you with. If you know what your gifting is, then keep going in that. Yeah. And don't let anything stop you. And if you haven't figured it out yet, again, don't be discouraged. Figure stuff out. Try stuff. You know, we're always willing to take people. We're always willing to um, get people into the church and get people plugged in to start serving and just start feeling it out. You know, man, if it's not working out, try another place. If if you didn't work out in kids ministry, that doesn't mean you should just stop ministry. Find another place in another ministry that works. Yeah, you'll find the right place if you just keep trying, but you won't find it if you just stop. Yeah. And then once you stop, you'll blame everybody else except for you and reality is if you're not finding a place for you it's because you haven't kept going so my encouragement to you keep going keep trying don't let anything stop thank you guys for tuning into our podcast i hope that you enjoyed yourself if you did don't forget to give us a like a follow subscribe comment and share this podcast with as many people as you know so we can get the word of god out to everyone everywhere. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you guys on the next episode.